This podcast is brought to you by Slow Tide. Slow Tide, our company, they took a mundane but essential uh, everyday product, uh, a towel, um, so something that we use every day, and they've turned it into uh, something cool, something you like looking at, a piece of art. So Slow Tide work with artists, brands, and photographers to bring amazing designs onto their products. Uh, not only towels, they also have now applied this same logic to blankets, um, perfect for the winter. Those of you that have listened to the podcast and know me will know I love sitting and watching a film or TV. I ask every guest to recommend me some something good to watch. Um, and especially in the UK at the moment, it's pretty cold. Most of that watching is done under a blanket. Uh, most importantly, though, uh, Slow Tide are committed to sustainability. Um, all of their cotton products are responsibly sourced through the Cotton Leads program, and their polyester products are made from 100% recycled post-consumer waste, usually plastic bottles. So you know that by buying one of these products, you're also not affecting the environment. Uh, check them out at, at Slow Tide Europe on Instagram for more information. I'll be posting a fair bit about them on my Instagram as well, at the After Hours Lounge. Um, huge thank you to Slow Tide for supporting the podcast, um, and thank you to you guys for getting through this advert. And now, on with the show. Hello friends, welcome back to the next episode of the After Hours Lounge. My name is Sandy, I am your host. Um, I've realised actually quite a lot of episodes I, I never actually introduced myself. So, and I know there's quite a few new people listening these days because, you know, <laughs> podcast is doing well. Um, so hello to anyone who is new. Uh, yeah, my name is Sandy. I will start introducing myself from now on. Um, but I'm really, really pleased to be joined uh, this week. Actually, we were just talking before I hit record. It has been... Has, I don't know if it's been 11 years since we saw each other, but it's been 11 years since we met and since we worked together, which is vaguely terrifying. Uh, you know, coupled with the fact that I turned 30 this year, um, I'm getting slightly existentially terrified. Uh, but yeah, um, Dan, Aldous, thank you very much for, for coming on. Thanks for having me, mate. Yeah, no. um, 11 years, I think we, we both look and feel very different than we did on a beach in Greece. I was going to say, I think I think we've aged quite well. I mean, we won't. The less we say about my hairline, the better. But other than that, I think we've done quite well, mate. I think we've done quite well. I was um, I was thinking back today, and um, I remember you like prancing around on the beach, pretending to be a T Rex quite a lot. Yeah, we well, we used to we used to have themes. So those of you who who don't know, um, me and Dan worked together for a company called Nielsen. Um, Dan was a sailing instructor. I was a windsurfing instructor. So you work on the beach. People come out on holiday, and we used to have these radios. Um, you know, be, you know, like you're on rescue or whatever. And we had theme days on the radio, didn't we? So remember we used to, we had pirate day and when well, I remember one day we had dinosaur day and we were all literally like down the radio to each other and we'd all be running around pretending to be dinosaurs, which is something I've done ever since I was a child. I, I, you'll be surprised to know I don't do it as much anymore. Um, but maybe, maybe I, because you were, you were pretty good at it. Yeah. Well, we did that. And then I remember me and you dressed up as Spartans together once there's a, there's a picture the somewhere. Of, party or something, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. There's pictures of us. They're like, you know, our, we've like got painted beards, um, which is is and, pretty funny. Drawn on six packs. Of, of, no, they weren't drawn on. What are you talking about, mate? What are you talking about? Um, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, tell you know, obviously, I mean, we, you know, we don't 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 keep in touch, really. Um, you know, just the the nature of the the world, and I haven't haven't I probably haven't seen you since since then. 
Um, so what 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 have you been up to? What 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 are you up to? Where are you? Tell tell everyone a little bit about yourself. So yeah, well, we met as I was about to go to uni. So I, I yeah. came straight straight back from Greece and went to uni, and I actually studied yacht design at uni. So cool sailing, natural progression. Um, I wasn't sure whether I was going to go to uni, and I basically just decided to go and study something I, I would enjoy. And I'd always sailed, and I thought designing boats sounded pretty cool. So um, so yeah, I did that, and I was in Southampton, so carried on sailing, windsurfing, doing all that kind of stuff, and um, did I did another Nielsen season while I was at, at um, while I was at uni, and yeah. then when I finished up, I went and joined a little startup. Actually, I was, I was the first employee designing uh, boat drones, so like five meter long, basically it looked like a canoe, and it could go to sea and basically across the oceans and collect scientific data. Or, oh, yeah, yeah. I remember seeing um, you post about that. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Cool. It was pretty cool. I mean, in, in fairness, like, everyone was just like, surely you could just chuck a load of drugs in it and sell them from Colombia to Europe and make a ton of money in that way. But <laughs> unfortunately, we never made the connection with the cartels in Colombia. And oh. unfortunately, I didn't make my billions. But um, it's probably for the but best. Yeah, that, 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 that was really cool. And, um, yeah, it's super cool to go straight into a startup. And obviously, it was a bit of a gamble from my side. Like, loads of my friends went off and did sort of grad schemes or went into established companies and sort of went into a, a proper career progression from there. But it was super cool. And I, I'd, I'd say I probably learned more in my first year than most of the guys I left uni with learned in yeah. the first sort of five. And it was super cool. And then went and kind of did exactly the opposite. And I went to work for like a FTSE 100 company called, called Inmarsat. Um, big satellite communications company and they do um, basically every ship at sea has one of these things to know where it is and has okay. sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. safety and security and stuff um, and they're in so Wi-Fi on planes is typically over that type of satellite network now as well so I was designing systems for government departments and doing some pretty cool sneaky stuff and again working with drones and uh, all of that kind of stuff um, and I was kind of, um, I was one of the younger people in the company. Like it was quite, it was like an ex-government department. Loads of people kind of left the military and then went to Inmarsat as their like first right. job out of the military. So most people were sort of 40 plus had done a career in the military and now were kind of coming into Civvy Street. And, um, and so me being the young person, the chief exec was just like, oh, well, you must know about all of these cool technologies like yeah. VR and AR and stuff. I had absolutely no idea about that. I had a PlayStation and stuff. I was—I wouldn't really say I'm a gamer or a real kind of like tech computer nerd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so he's just oh well, we really want to use these type of things like in our conversations with clients and in our sales process. So he basically just gave me a ton of cash and he was just like go and try it all out, find out how we can potentially apply it to the business, and basically build us this like customer experience center. And so he literally. I mean, I won't say exactly how much it was, but it was a shitload of money. Like, <laughs> his reference was like, you know, Minority Report, where he's like moving stuff around with his hands. Yeah, yeah, like Iron Man. Um, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly like Iron Man. Like those are all of the references, basically, like all the Marvel films. Like, <laughs> you really want to create like a Tony Stark room. Yeah. Um, and he gave me a load of money, and I basically did that. Um, and I built this cool LED conference table, so it's like a screen in the table. Cool. And everything all linked up together, and we like used to watch Game of Thrones and there and stuff. Like, Sick. <laughs> I just basically played around all day, 
Um, and the guys that built that table, um, I now work for. So I met Tom. Tom and I got on really well with, like, insanely similar. And he basically said, "Do I come and help me grow my business?" Yeah. Um, and that was just over three years ago now. And um, yeah, so so I work for a company called Pixel Artworks. Um, yeah. And basically, we do um, for the layman like digital experiences. Um, so 15 years ago, they started doing sort of projection mapping on buildings, um, like big, massive shows and sort of uh, outdoor advertising. Um, and then sort of I was brought on to help with sort of more permanent installations. So the customer experience centers, um, theme parks and sort of museums and all that kind of stuff. So we basically use stuff like projectors and screens to create digital experiences. Um, and yeah, a couple of years ago, basically, we realized that the Middle East had a was a really good market for us. Um, right. They love shiny shit here. <laughs> um, and we literally make shiny shit. Um, so we were like, OK, we, we should probably try and get into the market out here. There's an event called um, called Expo 2020. Yeah, um, yeah. It's all over all of the Emirates planes. Uh, like most people have heard of what it is, but they have absolutely no fucking clue what an expo is like the first one was was the crystal palace in like 1852 or something the um the royal exhibition and then since then they've had loads of sort of these they're, they're kind of referred to as like the business olympics you know oh, i've had another marvel reference but you know where they have like that stark world or the world fair in in iron man uh is it iron man or american uh captain america they have this like stark fair it's like world's fair where they go and like present the future yeah 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 yeah. No, i know what you mean yeah yeah so that that's basically what an expo is and so this thing is gonna it's absolutely ginormous they've basically built this like separate city here and it's yeah. like a, an educational theme park you can go and learn about how we fuck the planet and how they're gonna try and fix it with all these inventions and stuff and every country <laughs> in the world is invited to come and present their vision of the future and how companies from their their countries are uh, innovating to sort of save the world type thing. So yeah. as part of that, they sort of all try and like one up each other. And obviously Dubai and the UAE is all about that as well. It's always like doing the best and the stuff that's never been done before. So they like shiny shit anyway. They wanted super shiny shit. So they were like, okay, right, there must be some money there. So we won a couple of jobs out here with them. And in doing so, we were like, okay, right, so we should probably set up an office. And I just got really pissed up with my boss one night. He's just like, do you want to come and set up the office for me? And Moved to Dubai and sort of um, do it. We yeah. didn't really know what it was. Like we, we yeah. won a project, but we we're like, okay, right. So let's go go do that. And sort of within a couple of months, it was sort of signed off. And I was on a plane in and out of Dubai. Sort of, it started off like I'd fly in for like two weeks and go back to the UK for two weeks. And I basically lived on planes and in hotels for about a year just while we were working out how it all worked and stuff. Yeah. And then, yeah, two, two years ago, I moved here sort of officially. And, um, wow. and I've yeah, been here ever since. And I'm due to come back in, in April. The idea was just to sort of come out here, set up the office, work out if it was like commercially viable, set up a team, and then essentially head back to the UK and um, move on to the next, the next project or the next office or whatever it might be. So, um, yeah, I mean, that wasn't brief, but that's pretty much my last 11 years in yeah, yeah. minutes. So when... So, I mean, you know, we said before we hit record, you you kind of 
Well, I know Dubai's been cool for a while, but you you kind of moved there before Dubai was cool and stuff. I mean, what what was that like? You know, I mean, was it was it kind of stressful or was it was it more exciting? Because I mean, you know, I've I've lived I've lived all over the world and and things like that, but you know, not like to me, D- Dubai really doesn't appeal to me. Um, but I understand why to some people it's like. You know, it's like El Dorado, isn't it? It's like the place, the only place they want to be and they, they want to, you know, live and stuff. Um, yeah. It's, so what's it, what's it, you know, what's it been like? Dispel some of the myths for us, you know? Well, and I think that that's kind of where I started. Like, I, I like you, I mean, obviously, I like being by the sea for one. Yeah. Um, and I mean, if it was Australia or New Zealand or in any of those places, I'd have been there in a heartbeat. And, I'd never been to Dubai before. I, I, a bit like you, I had no real interest in, in coming here generally. Right. Um, and you have the sort of the Daily Mail attitude of, uh, well, especially like in the last couple of days, the whole influencer kind of yeah, um, yeah. Love Island set coming and just sitting on beaches and posing in front of big buildings and stuff. And, Saying that and that's definitely a part of the, the, the culture here, for want of a better word. And, and it's definitely... Um, got its place and, and there's a whole brunch atmosphere as well like every friday like you think of brunch in in the uk and like i would normally think of brunch as like being really hung over on a saturday and like going to some cafe and having like eggs on toast or something but here like brunch is like this um especially like this insane institution where all the expats go and get just really fucked up you pay about 100 quid and you get all you can eat all you can drink yeah um and there's just like a thousand people in this like hotel hotel area, loads of pools, not wearing many clothes and just getting really fucked up, really. Um, so that like that was what I had in my head as like what Dubai was. Yeah, me too. So, uh, kind of, yeah. That I, that does not appeal to me in any way, shape, or form. And obviously, yeah. in coming here for work, I was like, there's no fucking chance I could ever live here. Um, they call it like the golden cage, in that like it it traps you once you're here, but. I don't think it's, it's, um, most people don't come for, well, I mean, people do, but a lot of the expats that come here obviously come for work. Yeah. Um, something like 80% of the UAE's residents are expats. Um, so wow. there's, there's the millions of, of people from all over the world, however many, um, hundreds of different countries that they've come from. So there's a massive diverse crowd of people. And with that comes a massive diverse amount of sort of interests. Yeah. The one thing they do is like they don't do things by half. So whatever you're into, whether that's windsurfing, kite surfing, or cycling, or probably fucking chess, like you'll have the best place in the world to be able to do it. Yeah, yeah. Like cycling-wise, is like over 200 kilometers of like bike-only cycling track in the desert. You can literally <laughs> like go and cycle for 200 kilometers and not see a car. Yeah, that's um, and it, like super, super safe. Or like windsurfing wise, there's some amazing beaches and amazing wind. And yeah, I mean, you, if you're looking for it, you can find people with similar interests. I, I think it's probably similar around the world, but I think because everyone is here and in the same sort of situation, most of the expats are here for work reasons, and it may not have also been their first choice. But um, yeah, I mean, once you're here, you can those, those myths almost certainly dis, like are, are dispelled. Like you can go and do it if you want to. You can do that sort of Love Island Dubai experience, but yeah. I, I certainly like. I've, I've probably only done a handful, like four or five brunches, and there's definitely a plate for it. Who doesn't want to go and eat and drink a shitload of 
No, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, but <laughs> there are some people that do that two, three times a week. Um, but that's definitely not what most of the people that live here do. No. So I definitely don't work for Dubai tourism. Um, I just want to caveat <laughs> that one. But um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of, it gets a really bad rap, but actually when you like peel back the layers, like it, there, there is so much more to it than that. And what's the, I mean, you know, again, you know, potentially we're going off topic, but, you know, I've always said like, yeah, of course, this is a mental health podcast and we will get into that. But I kind of just I just love talking to people and, and different people. And it's it, Dubai, something like that is, is really a world I've I've not known. Like I've had people who who've lived out there um, and talked about. I mean, are you I know you, you've got a fiance, uh, Clemmy. I mean, is she does she live out there with you? I mean, what's what's that like? Because I've heard that can be quite difficult as well. Kind of being a couple out there. You know, what's how, how do you how do you deal with that? That's a really interesting one. And, and it was very different two years ago to how it is now. OK. Um, and, and Clem, Clem's an artist and she's got a studio in London and she's like super embedded in the UK and got a super right. tight-knit family. And so she was basically from the start, she was never going to come and live here permanently. Yeah. And we kind of came to this agreement that she'd come out for sort of a few weeks or a month. And the fact that she's self-employed means she can literally just like kind of drop everything and come here and yeah yeah and in the winter when like the weather is literally perfect she could just come here and sit by the pool all day for a month or whatever it seemed pretty dreamy to me but yeah she she obviously um like nearly everyone else had this vision of dubai being that daily mail dubai yeah um and just it wasn't keen was like this absolutely isn't my rap and just in in fairness to her she was just like not for me i'm definitely not going to move there but i think i think what you're referencing is like sort of if you do live here, it used to be that you can't cohabit if, unless you're married. Yeah. Right? And and um, I'd say that up until I think basically a few weeks ago, and I think it has now been confirmed, but but basically now that that, that rule kind of is being relaxed and Dubai is, is probably the most kind of forward thinking or liberal of, of the sort of countries over here and obviously drinking alcohol, um, you can... I mean, people are like, oh, but you can't drink in Dubai. I've been the most fucked up I've ever been in Dubai. <laughs> um, and um, so, yeah, there, there, are, um, there are a fair few things that, like, I mean, a bit like whenever you go to any country, you should probably respect their, their culture and stuff. But they're, they're pretty, they're probably the more of the forward thinking of, of the countries out here. And, and things are definitely easier to do, sort of, certainly in terms of, sort of drinking and, um, and the more Western situations and, I, and it is now i believe it is now legal to cohabit with someone you're not married with so it becomes a lot easier but then yeah. that said if you were coming here on holiday with your with your girlfriend and you weren't married you could stay in the same hotel room and stuff like it's not like this yeah it's just i guess it's just if you're if you're actually living there then it, it may you know if you want to rent an apartment and stuff but yeah i'm sure you know oh well people go on holiday there all the time and and I'm sure yeah. you know, with like the drinking and stuff, like I can't imagine you can sit and drink in the street, but I mean, you, you don't really do that here either. But, you know, from what I gather, it's all kind of like, you've got, you know, kind of areas, like you said, you go to these brunch places or whatever, and you can yeah. kind of, kind of get on it there. So yeah, that, uh, that's it. I like the, I like the term daily mail Dubai. Like that is, that's, that's really true. Um, you know, and, it's, and, and of course they pick up on that one or two, the one or two stories of, when something's gone wrong and generally someone's taken the piss and they've been told off for it or they've yeah. got themselves in trouble or whatever and they, they pick up that and they're like oh you, you can't do this you can't do that but yeah generally i've found as long as you as long as you don't take the piss it, 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 they're 
probably one of the, in fact, the guys I work with that are Emirati, they're probably some of the nicest, most hospitable, like they, um, they're, they're welcome. Like they're, they're super, super like welcoming as, as a people. Yeah. And a lot of their money is made from tourism now. So they value and they realize that the people that are coming here, they want to be able to sit on a beach. They want to be able to wear bikinis and they want to get pissed up. So as long as you don't take the pit and you do it where you're meant to, then yeah, it's, it's cool. I think that's it, isn't it? And that's something that could be said for the wider world. You know, as I said, I've I've lived in I've lived in Egypt, I've lived in South Africa, I've, you know, lived lived in Brazil, like you know, all over the place, and you know, Greece, obviously. But you know, e- Egypt especially was the the one for me where you're like, oh, they do do things a little bit differently here. But you you've just got to understand that you're not you're in a different country, and you've just got to slightly slight often just slightly adjust your course and just yeah. realize, oh, you know. But like you said, as long as as long as you're friendly and you're not like, you know, taking the piss and being rude and shouting and getting in trouble, you're not going to get in trouble. You know, generally 99% of the people you meet in my, in my, in my experience, wherever you go in the world, 99% of people are also just trying to have a nice time. Yeah. And if you're nice and if you're nice and chilled and Oh, hello, you know, rather than even if it, you know, even if it's someone that, you know, a bartender or a dry taxi driver, whatever, you know, people that could easily be a dick to you, you know, generally if you're nice to people, people are, people are nice back, aren't they? For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It's difficult. So, I mean, one of the, one of the reasons you, you sort of got in touch and, and wanted to come on is because you, you mentioned that you've kind of um, dealt with some, some sort of struggles mentally over, over a couple of years. Um, you know, we'll, we'll maybe, maybe touch on that. As I always say to the guests, you know, you can talk about it as, as much or as little as you like. Um, but I mean, you know, obviously it was 11 years ago we, we last met and it's kind of difficult, you know, I, I mean, I was 18, I think you were 18 as well, weren't you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. At, at that point you have, like, I had no fucking clue, but you, you're so naive that you're just not worried about it, you know? Like for, for me, my, my issues didn't start till I was sort of 26, 27, which sounds like it was fairly, fairly similar to you. So, I mean, in, in, in your own words, if you're happy to, to talk about it, um, yeah, what, what, what sort of happened? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess I don't really didn't know if I have like a, a date or a, a time when it really started. I, I My first job, probably I started seeing some sort of stress type, um, uh, whatever, like situations where I would start to feel kind of pretty stressed and out of control and definitely burnt out. And I think that was a function of being in a pretty small business and yeah. Um, doing a lot of what you would normally do with four or five people and, and picking up stuff that um, that, that I, I definitely had very little clue about. I mean, I, was, I studied boat design and I was get, going way into electronics and all that kind of shit. And I yeah. hadn't had an idea of it, but I was literally picking it up and learning most of it from YouTube. Yeah. Um, wow. So, I mean, um, I, I, it's sort of, it, it's a, it's quite a buzzword at the moment, but definitely a, quite a major element of the imposter syndrome there in terms of just being out of my depth and sort of uh, on some pretty tight schedules in some quite high um, high profile situations where um, if shit went wrong, it went pretty wrong. And I, I guess I first started to, to see it then, but it, it didn't really have an adverse effect on me. And I think the fact I was still early 20s, like 21, 22, yeah. you can do those sort of two, three hour nights of sleep. And I mean, granted, then that's not because you're pissed up or you're hungover, but yeah, you, you're a bit more resilient than you are when you get a bit older and, and you do really need that sleep. But um, 
Yeah, but I guess uh, for me, realistically, it kind of really set in when I started doing this this sort of Dubai stuff, and yeah. that was more more just based on. Um, I guess initially it was it was the travel. Yeah. And and there's a whole load of research in terms of people that travel for work and how they end up with mental health issues based on the fact they have no real rhythm and no um no routine and yeah. you're on different time zones and it's only three or four hours here, depending on daylight savings in the UK. But even that can make quite a difference. Um, and so I'd basically be here for five or six days and then I'd fly home for a weekend oh, or three or four days and and then I come back for four or five days and obviously because um, because I, I didn't have a, a base here and I didn't have a base at home I basically was just living out of a suitcase um, and I'd come home for the weekend and I'd try and spend time with Clem and I'd just end up being asleep on the sofa and um, that really sort of um, like that really fucked her off which was pretty fair in, in, in yeah honesty. but um, I think that was probably the start of it and then I guess like, I, I pretty much spent a year, maybe 18 months, either living in hotels or, or traveling between Dubai and the UK and, um, and dealing with some pretty sort of high pressure situations here, like de- delivering some pretty ma- massive, amazing jobs and ultimately being like the one point of contact with right. the client, the only person really on the ground from our company, um, certainly for, for most of the project and kind of like the sole spokesperson with relations to that client and it just like having all of that and losing like the rhythm and just just being continually tired and living out of a bag like that really did take its toll Mm. I remember there was a time where I like I literally woke up one morning and like my alarm went off and I woke up and I was like I think it was probably the first time I ever like openly said to my like obviously didn't say I didn't get to the stage of talking to myself like in my head I was like like you've literally just woken up and you've already got these like anxious like I'd, I'd never really properly experienced anxiety or I'd never put a name on it right and I always just kind of I don't know it's, it's hard to explain but it's kind of like that feeling I think actually some a friend of mine explained it as like you know when you get off a train and you think you've left your your wallet on the train yeah <laughs> like that sinking feeling like is that forgotten it or like you when you do the pat down you're like shit where's my phone card thing is that yeah, yeah but it's like constant and I got that one day when I woke up because my alarm went off and as I turned my alarm off I just saw the number of notifications and the shit that had gone on while I'd been asleep and I was like holy shit first of all that like was triggered by that the sound of that alarm so it instantly changed the alarm yeah because like as soon as that went off like I was already associating it with the stress and anxiety yeah. of what was going to happen that day and literally, I'd, I'd opened my eyes, and immediately I was just like fucking. Everything was like running through my head in terms of what could go wrong, what was going to go wrong, what had gone wrong. Yeah. And when you're in that position, like it's it's almost impossible to be positive about anything. Like no matter how like positive you are as a person, like if 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 all you can think about is is what could go wrong, what will go wrong, and what has gone wrong, like it's just a really like tricky situation to be in and then you add tiredness on that you add the fact you're not with the person you want to be with you're not you're not with with your partner or whatever and yeah and um then you add in a whole load of other complexities in terms of being in a different country living in a hotel where you can't cook your own food you're either living off room service or a restaurant and um like 
you uh, yeah like living in a hotel is just absolutely mental. I, I do not recommend it at all yeah it's one of those things that sounds sounds really glamorous you know like a yeah. lot a lot I'm sure that you know there will be potentially people listening and a lot of people go oh well Sounds like, you know, Dan's, Dan's got a really good job of a, you know, a cool company and he's traveling and all this. And it, it sounds really glamorous, but I completely understand, especially like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not necessarily an advocate for the, the buying a house and the nine to five and laying down the roots and all this stuff. But I still do think it's important to feel like you have a home. You know, mm-hmm. and even even for me, when I was, you know, I you, you finished doing seasons, but I did seasons all the way up until I was 26. Um, you know, 27 and stuff. And, but I always knew because I went away for sort of five months at a time, like, you know, now to this day, like Greece, where I worked is like in my top three places that I would call home. But I always had the place in Scotland with, you know, with my mom and, and stuff like that. So I, I always, I always felt like I had a, like a, ba- a base camp for lack of a better term. But as you said, if you're, if you're moving, you know, seven days, if two of those seven days nearly, and in a week, you're flitting back and forth, flitting back and forth. It, it, it must, yeah, it must sort of play play havoc with you a little bit. And it's like you said, it's you know, it's difficult to maintain relationships. Um, it's yeah, you you just and I, and I was like justifying it to myself. I was like, oh, this is an amazing opportunity. You're literally setting up a business in the new country. Yeah, of course. Like, think yeah. Of, and then obviously like financial situations and like kind of like, oh, if, if I sell this job, then I'll get a bonus and. All, all of the stuff that as we young people are driven by money and material things and and I was I if I'm completely honest I was almost completely driven by my career at yeah and I kind of had I was on this sort of um I was really lucky and every job I've had has been like a super progressive role and I've learned so much and I've done so many different things and I think that might have sort of that might have triggered something in my brain being like you you can do whatever fuck you want to do yeah and that kind of drove me and i was i was kind of thinking like it won't last forever but think of all the good things that you're getting from it and obviously that is right and i have learned so much in doing it but that was to the detriment of of my mental health of my relationship and like everything that surrounded that like it mm. was it, it was brutal and and um we can we can come back to it later but i mean the 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 effect that the travel and the hotel and the, the lack of sleep and and that kind of that circle of stuff has on your mind and your body and and literally every part of your your health and, and your your wealth for it like you take money out of it but yeah you, yeah exactly you're being everything about you just completely ends up going into this downward spiral and 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 everything is a cause for something else. So you being in a hotel means you don't have your own bed and you then, and you don't have access to a kitchen. So you can't cook your own stuff. And then room service is naturally cooked in a kitchen where like going to a restaurant, it's always way flattier than you would cook it at home because they want to make it taste fucking good. (laughs) Um, And also because work's paying for it. So why not have a fucking steak every night? Yeah, yeah. And there's a fridge full of beer that magically replaces itself every morning. <laughs> and and obviously I was on my own in a hotel room. I didn't really have any mates. I didn't really have any want to, to I, I, I couldn't like, not into football and that kind of stuff. I was into sailing and windsurfing, but I didn't have any kit with me. I yeah. didn't really have the free time to go and find out and do that stuff. And so it was just that perpetual thing of I'd wake up, I'd do work. 
I'd go out and do meetings and whatever, come back to the hotel room, and have dinner, like, oh my God, hotel rooms are not built to be lived in either. Like they have like the most uncomfortable chairs, like very few of them have actual desks. So you, you end up like eating dinner on your bed. Yeah. And then you've had your dinner and you're like, fuck, like I've completed Netflix. So fuck it, I may as well just do more work. And you end up working till 10 p.m. And then it just keeps going on and on. And then you end up doing long nights and then you have a beer at, at five o'clock in the afternoon and then you have more and then you order another one with dinner and like you, I, I was like drinking on my own eating room service every night or going to a hotel restaurant where they'd know you by name and you'd sit at, at dinner they'd already know what you were going to order and you're just sat there doing work waiting for your food to come like yeah it, it was just so so damaging and I I didn't really I mean the thing is you, you I don't know if you always know that something's going wrong. Like I, I definitely, in the back of my mind, like I knew I was, I was getting fat or getting fatter. Um, I knew I probably shouldn't be drinking every night, especially on my own. And I knew I shouldn't be eating that shit and should be being better. And um, yeah, I, I guess it was um, certainly at that stage. Like I, there was, there was almost no telling me. Like somebody could tell me I was fat. I'd be like, I'd make an excuse for it. I'd be like, yeah, when I live in a hotel, what do you expect? Yeah. And it was so easy to make an, make an excuse or people to make excuses for me. They're like, well, yeah, you're, you're literally living in a hotel and you fly back to London every weekend. Like, it's, um, it's a brutal way of life. And then, then we basically decided, yeah, we're going to set up a company. You're going to move there. Um, so I've got a house and I've got a car. And so that changed a lot because yeah. I did have a home. A base, yeah. Um, yeah, and Clem would always tell me off for calling this home because, in theory, home should be with her. But yeah, I mean, th there's a place for me to bring stuff and put yeah, stuff home, on the homes wall. Yeah, homes, homes could be temporary, though. You know, I mean, I I spent you know the best part of the last ten years living in temporary homes. You know, yeah. I'd still you know even in Greece or whatever, you know, I'd be out there for the season. I'd still be like, right, um, are you guys are you coming out tonight? Now I'm going to go home. I wouldn't say I'm going to go back to my room. I'd be like, no, yeah. I'm going to go home. You know, and it, yeah, it, it does because yeah, I, I think it's, it's always like, especially if you're like a nomadic person, and as you you were, and you where you've been, and, and you do end up having those that that bag of stuff, yeah. which is home, right? And whether that's your iPad and a couple of pictures or whatever, um, it, it does just become ingrained in you. you. You do just kind of say, well, yeah, I'm going to go home tonight, or yeah, I can't wait to go home, and but it, it doesn't substitute. I think the one thing is your own proper bed. Yeah, yeah, that's important. I think there's anything better than getting into your own proper bed, and I think yeah. that's uh, well, sleep, that's something sleep. I, I still don't know. Sleep is something that's just like you know vastly underrated. Like you know, I've I've always been like I've never been like a night owl. I've always been an early early bird or whatever you call it. You know, I've, mm. I've never you know when when we were younger or you know you'd have like mates to come and stay over. Like I was always first one to fall asleep and like. You know, even now, although recently I've been finding myself going to bed, bed a bit later, but usually like 10 o'clock, I'm tucked up, like ready, ready to go. And then like, you know, like your your girlfriend, Clemmy, like I'm self-employed as well. So I can kind of get up when I want. So some days I sleep for like 10, 11 hours, mm. you know, and it's it's something that I, I kind of really, I try and like look after. And I think it it's part, part of it is purely down to routine. Um, and routines are both good and bad, you know, like from the sounds of it there, you, you got into a very bad routine and regardless of whether it's good or bad, routines are really difficult to break. Mm. Like I've, I've got myself 
you know, regular listeners know I, I started running over the last couple of months and I've got myself into a very good routine where now at three o'clock every day, I almost like I have to go for a run. It's not like, oh, I'm, oh no, I'm not, you know, I'm like, no, I've, I've got to go. Mm. Or, or I know like, right, you know, it's half past 10, regardless of what I'm watching. I'm like, oh, it's pro- probably time I go and get ready for bed. You know, and I, it's that routine. But likewise, on the other side of that coin, I'm sure it's very easy for you like, oh, well, I'm in the hotel room and, you know, oh, there's nothing on Netflix. I've, I've got loads to do. And oh, and you're overthinking about the work and you go, oh, fuck it. I'll, I'll just do a bit more work until 11 at night and drink beers by myself. And then you go the next day and you, oh, well, I, you know, I did it yesterday and I got this done. So maybe I can get this done as well. You know, so it's. And it, is, it is perpetual, isn't it? The more you yeah. do, the more you end up doing. doing. And yeah. the more you then end up committing to doing. And it, it does, it just, just goes on and on and on. And I guess, um, I don't know, I, I kind of, so, so yeah, the, the, the bad side of it, obviously, my relationship was affected by it. And that was, that was twofold because we were apart. And in fairness, we've been together. Eight, eight years now, nearly nine years, wow. and we've never actually lived together. We've never had, oh, really? we've never had a, we've never rented somewhere together. Like we went to different unis, we um, we had, we lived in different parts of the UK when we had jobs, and um, yeah, we've never actually officially lived together. Like we've we've always sort of spent weekends together, and sometimes I've like, been here and there, but yeah, we've never actually lived together. So I think that that was probably bad in a way because it wasn't really that much of a decision. Like, it, like we don't live together anyway, so actually, what's the difference? Me being in Dubai, yeah. being in I Dubai. think that's good. Sometimes, I think that's good. Sometimes in a relationship, though, I think it's yeah. imp- it's it's definitely important, and I think a lot of that's that's why, and this may be controversial. I think that's why a lot of relationships fucking fail because the people people suffocate each other. Mm. People like me and me and Heidi moved in together last May, and we've been together five years this year. Like we've been, yeah. and fair enough, you know, we did seasons and all this stuff, but she went, she went and did a season and I stayed in the UK and I was like, sweet, see you later. Like it, it's, I think it's important that people have their own things and they don't feel like challenged by their other half. Cause that should be the person that you like, you know, trust most in the world or, you know, they should be the first person to be like, yeah, you know, to support you. And For obviously sure. that's not me again. Maybe this is controversial. Maybe people should, but yeah, I always, I always very much, you know, with previous relationships, um, for the one I'm in now, I was, I, I was always had my eye on the ball of like, I want, I want to go windsurfing. I want to travel and I want to go to the best places. And, you know, if I had a girlfriend who didn't want to come or I was like, well, that's fine, but I'm, I'm going. Um, and I'm lucky enough that Heidi now, my girlfriend, she kind of sees it exactly the same way. She's like, well, no, I'm going to go and do this. And I, you know, I think it was an interview with, uh, Gino DeCampo, who's, been with his, you know, the guy on TV. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's been with his wife for like 20. from Sheffield. Yeah, exactly. He's been with his wife for sort of 25 years and they, he, he's been asked, you know, what's what's the secret and stuff? And he's like, I never fucking see her, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and he, he said, it's amazing. I go off and film these TV shows. I think maybe she's a writer or something like that. He's like, she'll go off for a month and, you know, go and travel and get inspiration and then, you know, write or do something like but he's like, we just, we have our own things and our own projects. And I, mm. I do, I do think a lot of people's relationships go wrong because they go, well, no, you, you can't, you, you can't go there without me. You can't, you know, and I guess that, yeah, it must, it must've been fucking hard for you, especially in that first instance. Um, and especially if one person's struggling, you know, in, in a relationship, um, yeah. it, it, it become that, that changes, changes things a lot. Yeah, for sure. And, and I, I guess, 
just as, as part of the evolution of, of, of it happening, like it, there wasn't like a sign a contract, move to Dubai the next day. Like it kind yeah. of happened over a year. And so like there was, there was always this sort of not a misunderstanding, but this kind of um, like, um, I think almost felt like I just, just made the decision on my own, but it was, it was always this kind of evolutionary process of if we win this, then I'll go and do this. And if we do that, then I'll go and do this. And yeah, and there was never like that conscious decision point. There was never that sort of time where we both sat down and were just like, right, this is happening. This is what we're going to do. And I think that that was quite tricky. But I think you're absolutely right. Like we're, we we both are absolutely independent people and, and we have done that for the last eight years. And the benefit is, and actually I, the longest time we spent together was probably in the first lockdown in March. Yeah. And I, I came back to the UK, the UAE was locking down. I came back and we ended up going and staying in Devon, literally just us two. And we were, we were sort of together for a couple of months and it was just us two living together and Wait. we were actually engaged at this point and yeah. so if it got wrong it probably would have gone really wrong but yeah actually, we, did, we didn't even have a single argument like, yeah. it was, and we were living yeah. under each other like in 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 the same space but actually it was it was kind of it was great because we had the wedding to plan and we basically got the wedding planned in like a week yeah we literally just sat on just like fucking do that and consciously at work we decided that we, we would all take some time off and sort of try and manage cash flow and that kind of stuff. So we're working like half days or whatever. And so that other half day, like we just, we just did shit. We played board games and did puzzles and stuff. And yeah, it's a sort of stuff that we definitely hadn't done over the last couple of years because I've been so busy. And um, it, it was kind of one of the positive things that did come out of lockdown was the ability for us to actually spend some proper time together and realize we didn't mind living with each other which i think was was quite yeah. lucky was that was that was that sort of time then was that um was that a bit of a reset button for you kind of mentally and stuff well i mean i guess i guess for things did things sort of start to settle down when you actually settled in dubai or was it not until you came back for for lockdown that you you sort of start yeah, uh, yeah it, it definitely didn't start getting better before i'd moved to dubai yeah right. and it obviously took a month or two to really get into it but I was actually really pissed off on a flight home with with one of my colleagues and um, we were sat at the bar and um, we basically worked our way through a cocktail menu and I weighed like 115 kilos at the time and I was was a big boy and I (laughs) drank a lot, I ate a lot. And I had, I was making all the excuses of, oh, I work so hard, I don't have time to exercise. And yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, and there's always an excuse, isn't there? It's so easy to make that excuse. Or, yeah, oh, yeah. I've had a shit day, definitely not going to go exercise. Anyway, we were so pissed up. And, um, and a friend of mine just messaged me and just said, oh, this, this rape has opened in Bahrain. It's this half iron man. Like, and I actually used to do triathlon when I was at uni. And yeah, I, was I remember seeing him, yeah. Those days are over. Um, no, no chance I'll ever get back into that. And I was just so pissed up. He said, fuck it, sign up. And so I did. Um, and then he was just like, well, and well, and I kind of did it because I knew like if it was a 10K or a half marathon or something, I was like, I can probably do that without training. But I realized like a half Ironman, I would actually have to get off my ass and do something about it. And so that was, yeah, it was kind of a, a semi-conscious, but the alcohol probably helped me do it. Um, but yeah, so I signed up for this half Ironman and he was just like, here's the number of my coach. And he, pointed me in that direction and um and he just said this guy will will help you finish and basically i said that that was my goal i was just like fuck it i just finish. if i finish it i'll be happy yeah um and if i lose a few kilos i'll be happy and if i if i go training three times a week then great i love it um and i met the coach the week after and he's just like, fuck it, like based on your previous experience then 
you're not I, like I will not coach you to finish. So he, he's just I'm not interested in coaching you to finish. So you need to go with like a specific time, and we'll set you a, a decent goal. But you've got to have a, at least a target to aim for, which I think right. is super important generally. Um, but yeah, he's like, right, we're going to aim for six hours. And so I was like, okay, cool, great. We had like twelve weeks. Um, yeah, and I went and went to this event and, and, and did it in sort of five hours forty. And so smashed, like did, did way better than I was expecting. I didn't lose a huge amount of weight because, I mean, the, the food was so important. I was training sort of probably four, five hours a week, maybe six hours a week. So I was, it was it was a vast, vast um, uptake compared to what I, what I had been doing. Yeah, and I think that was that was the first thing was like I, I made time to do it. Um, so I'd get up an hour earlier, and I'd go and do the exercise. And actually, then I realised actually, if I go and do my run in the morning it then feels like I've got a whole day for myself anyway. Yeah. And then you feel better because you've been for a run. 100%. And and you come back and you, you've woken up, you're not literally coming down, sitting at your desk, like cup of coffee, like trying to like drearily wake up. And no, you're, you're up. First call. You're up, you're awake, you're showered, you've, you've already done something and you've kind of ticked that off the list. And yeah. I wasn't getting up at like 4 a.m. to go and do it or whatever. I was just getting up at like half six instead of getting up at half seven. And then, as you said, like you find yourself going to bed a little bit earlier because you're getting up a bit earlier. And I got exactly that. I got into the rhythm. I knew that on Tuesdays I'd be going and doing this run, and on Fridays I'd be going out into the desert and doing a bike or whatever. And you, yeah, and yeah, I got into that positive rhythm, and I saw massive gains already. And in fact, I I beat all of my times in that December race than I did sort of the ten years before, um, just with twelve weeks of training. So I was like. Then I was a bit like addicted, probably isn't the right word, but I was like properly on on the on the train in terms of yeah. Well, once you once you start to once you start to see progress, that's when like there's like the the initial you sort of do it and you're like oh this you know well I, you, we use exercise as the example, but any kind of new yeah. habit really, you know you're always like initially like oh I don't know about this and all this but then you know a couple a couple of weeks in especially especially working out like you said even if you didn't lose much weight you probably still saw or felt a difference yeah well and i think that's one of the like you as a person often don't see a change yeah you never um, but other people and, do. and it's so slow exactly and because i would i'd go home like six weeks later and everyone would be like fuck you've lost loads of weight yeah and you're like right really no i haven't yeah but because of the training I was doing, I wasn't losing that much, but I was losing a lot of fat. I was yeah. leaning up. Toning up, and yeah. So, and so it, was, it wasn't It was obvious on the scales. And so I was like, oh, I'm not actually losing that much weight. But then you do go and see your mum and dad. And they're like, you, you've lost a lot of weight. You look way yeah. better. And, I'm like, and that, that's often often what you need to kind of kick you off. And, and I think it's often why people give up a diet after two weeks as well. Yeah. Because they don't see anything change on the scales, or they lose lose an initial kilo, and they're like, oh, this is great, and then it kind of slows down a little bit, and they don't really see much change. But it's sort of after that four weeks, it really sort of plummets out, and um, yeah, I mean that's a, that's a whole different conversation. But getting into that rhythm, and I think it was super helpful. I, I through through the coach, he obviously had other people that he coached, and we would sort of train together, and then peer pressure definitely isn't the word but being in a group and training together and having a set time when you go and do that exercise and yeah. then having a coach that holds you accountable and says why the fuck didn't you do that run on that's a, yeah that's what i was about to say having having some something or someone to hold you accountable um Absolutely. is 
well, for a lot of people, some some people are, are you know fairly disciplined and they're quite good at doing getting into it themselves um, and doing it for you know intrinsically um, you know motivating and they're like oh, I'm doing this for me. But quite you know vast majority of people they 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 need that person going you know yeah well, why the fuck didn't you do that or or even worse like one of your mates that's like oh well we did this why didn't you come along you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, d- definitely, and that that for me was the reason why why I want I wanted a coach it was that accountability, and and I did a similar thing, and so in in May this year, because I hadn't seen a huge amount of weight come off, and I realised that I still wasn't really eating the right things, and the excuses were coming in around food, and I'd be like, well, I'm driving to meetings, and and therefore I'm like stopping at a service station and getting like a sandwich or like a, a chocolate bar or whatever. So I de- I wasn't eating the right thing but I was training right I was doing all the right things for training mm. um and so I, I I basically started working with a nutritionist who and it was ex- that exact same thing it was accountability of what I was eating yeah and so I mean it's quite, quite quite drastic but I was tracking everything like macros and calories and everything that I was putting into my body I was counting and, and making sure that I was eating the right thing to help me lose weight and then he would go in and say oh but why did you have burger on Wednesday night or whatever and, and so therefore that makes you think again about what you're eating and making better choices and and so yeah within sort of the space of five or six months I've lost like 20 kilos wow that's insane it, it was honest on it was it was honestly insane and, and I, I I've I've not been hungry since I started being like that like I, I eat so much food still I just eat so much more of different things and I eat way yeah. more veggies and all that kind of stuff it actually doesn't have many calories in but fills you up and can be really tasty like there's that classic sort of um, that feeling of like our oh, vegetables are boring or whatever and like sort of school dinner carrots that are like really soggy and that boils and yeah exactly <laughs> there are so many different ways of having veggies and stuff and and that for me was a, was a big thing and I, i'm never hungry i eat just as much if not more than i did before but i'm just eating lower fats less sugars and yeah it's it's just balancing out and making sure that you're eating fewer calories than you're burning basically and what did that um what did that do for your your um your kind of mental mental state i mean obviously you know losing weight is always going to make someone feel better you know let's face it none of us want to look in the mirror and feel like shit about what they see you know, so I yeah. guess that that probably started to help as well. But do you think the act of actually starting to look after what was going on inside um, did that? And, and that also, I you know, I preach a lot about this. Having having a purpose outside of your job is also something that is so important, I think, for mental health. So obviously, you know, you're you're doing you know very well in your career, and you've got this you know relatively high powered job, and you're in Dubai and all this stuff. But like at the moment, like that's kind of it, isn't it? That's Dan. You know, oh, what what is Dan Aldis? What is what is his identity? Oh, he he works in Dubai and has a has a good job. But actually, now on the side, it's like, what does Dan do? Dan trains fucking hard, eats well, is losing loads of weight, and is doing triathlons faster than he's ever done in his life. So having that, you know, for like I say, you know, for me, it's for me, it's windsurfing. It doesn't matter what it is; it can be building Lego if if you want it to be. But something something that you can put a few hours a week into that that you are enjoying. And that, you know, if it's making you, you know, a better human, for lack of a better term, then then that's good. So, yeah, having having that, I mean, that, yeah, maybe I've, I've answered my own question, maybe. But 
um, you know, did did you find your mental state starting to starting to get a lot better as well? For sure, and I think there's various different parts to it, but I think that that whole self care thing is is so important, and that's exactly what was missing from sort of the first year I was here. Like I was so driven to to set up the office and win this project, and then deliver the project, and then win the next one, and yeah, I didn't have any self care at all. Um, yeah. And then as soon as sort of that triathlon came in, like yeah, it's exactly that, and it's it's the vicious circle, but in the right direction, and. And you then want to find more time to train and in finding more time to train you burn more calories and you lose more weight and you get faster and um you get more compliments and 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 yeah and and that yeah. self-care yeah. i think yeah exa- yeah exactly you, you you flip the curve yeah and it, and it keeps going up and um it's then obviously when you do have your your week where you feel shit or work gets on top of you then yeah i mean that curve does does flip again but when you look at the grand scheme of things, and I think it is so important to have that perspective of it all. And yeah, um, and I mean, like last week, I had an awful week. I, I like I worked way harder than I should have done, and I was feeling like dog shit. And I was working late, and I was wanting to get takeaway and all that kind of stuff. But actually, then and then somebody's just like, it was one of the guys I trained with. Just like, just think about how how far you've come, and and he he sent me a photo of a year ago. Is that when you said me? Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. And it's just look look at that. Look at you there and look at where you are now. Yeah. And instantly it wasn't just the, the weight and the fact I was a well on the left hand side and actually looked like an athlete on the right hand side. But actually what I was thinking about was how far I have come personally in, in that year and what I have done and how I'm feeling. And I'm sure there's I'm definitely not a biologist or a chemist or whatever, but I'm sure there is a chemical thing inside me that has has improved because of that painting of the curve and basically starting by losing weight. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure there's a hormonal thing and um, and everything around that. But it and then the endorphins of doing fitness. Like I that was going to say what, exercise is pro- exercise is already proven to to make you feel better. But some something interesting something interesting you said there though was you know when you when you start to have a a shit week you know the the curve kind of turns around and I, I tried, I've had a bit of a bad week this week. I've like, I've pulled, I've pulled, like I've found out this is actually quite similar because I've been running like a madman for the last two months, having spent the last, the the previous 28 years of my life, never running. Um, Like I've, I've had this like niggling, like um, pain in my, in my lower abs, like almost like where like my leg meets my hip. And I've Googled yeah. it and apparently like it's a thing you you get, you know, it's and I basically strained a muscle. Yeah, apparently, but it's yeah, it's like where your I mean sorry, we're getting a bit weird here, but it's where your, your pubic bone meets your hip, the muscles that Double go the, the muscles that go with that. Yeah, I'll flash you on camera right now. Um yeah, apparently, you know, you can strain that muscle quite easily. So I'm having a week off running this week. And I'm feeling a bit shit about it and things, but I've, you know, and I'm a big advocate for, you know, obviously it's, it's okay to feel shit and, and you should lean into feeling shit. And that's not mm. me saying, fuck it, don't train, go get a takeaway, you know, don't just completely reverse it. But I think life is all about balance. And for me, like I have had a shit, you know, I felt really shit yesterday and I knew I was going to be really busy today. I'm doing another podcast this evening. I was really busy with work this morning, but yesterday I didn't have much on. So I said, you know mm. what? I'm, I'm going to kind of take the day um, and I, you know, had a, had a really long shower. I didn't really look at my phone. I watched like two or three movies and I just, just chilled out. And I think a lot of people resign themselves to, 
if I'm having a shit day, it'll turn into a shit week. And then that week's just a write off. But actually you can, you can very easily just have a shit couple of hours and do something like you said, self-love, whether it is go for a walk. If you can't be bothered to go for a run, go for a walk. If you want to sit and eat a takeaway and chocolate and all this, like just have, have like a, a line of chocolate, have three or four squares of chocolate rather than eating the whole bar. I think there is, yeah. there's, there's a lot of that balance to, to be had. And it's, it's something, well, it's something that I've been really trying to practice when I'm, when I'm feeling shit, I'm like, right, we'll, we'll lean into it. And even this morning I woke up and felt a bit shit and I got up, I got out of bed about an hour later than I should have done. But then I sat down and three or four hours went by and I was like, Whoa, I've done loads. Yeah. Because I, cause I re- looked after myself initially and I said, it's fine, just chill. And, you know, I just sort of li- listen, you kind of listen to your body. I know it's, it sounds silly, but, um, yeah, that's, that's some, something that I've kind of trying to been practice a lot is rather than, rather than being like, oh, I have a shit week. I'll be like, well, let's just, let's just have a shit hour and we'll take it, yeah. take it sort of hour, hour by hour, you know? And I think that was exactly where I was. I was completely imbalanced. Yeah. And I was imbalanced in pretty much every single way in terms of what I was eating, how hard I was working relationship wise was completely imbalanced. And, um, I was definitely pretty much only working. Yeah. Um, and then as soon as you start leveling the seesaw, for instance, like yeah. it levels off way quicker, the more, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's easy to get back into balance. Um, and I think you're, you're exactly right. Yeah. Okay. Have a bar of chocolate if you want a bar of chocolate. Have a takeaway if you want it, but don't let that takeaway turn into five nights of takeaway. Exactly. Um, exactly. And that takeaway isn't gonna gonna ruin the season. Nah. Like, it's, nah. it's... I know that. You know, I I know that. Like I've you know where I've 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 seen a lot of results for me over the last couple of months. Like I didn't I didn't necessarily you know I didn't have no you know not being rude but I didn't I didn't I don't have twenty kilos I need to lose or anything like that. But you know there's bits there's bits I want to be toned up and I'm thirty this year and I you know, I want to be able to windsurf at the level I already windsurf for the next 10 years. So I'm like, no, I, I want to, I need to start keeping, keeping on top of all this. Um, sure, and I think it's important to have that goal. And I think if, yeah. And that's about having that sort of passion. something outside of work. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That, that passion and having a goal outside of work that you can, you can be aiming for. And I think that's great. Like, yeah. I want to be able to windsurf as well as I can now for 10 years. Yeah. And you don't have to get better at it. Like if, if you just want to go and, like yeah, do do a five k at the same pace every week. Like, doesn't matter. Like, if that's, yeah. If that's what well, everyone, yeah, everyone's everyone's goals are completely different, and it's very easy to invalidate other people's goals if they're not quite at the level you are. Like, I I learned this a lot from from teaching windsurfing. You know, I'm I'm obviously at a certain level of windsurfing, and then I I teach some people who are beginners, and they'd get just as much joy out of simply lifting the sail up out of the water and sailing ten meters to their to their partner that was, you know, trying to take a picture of them. Yeah. And then I'd see the same joy in a, a, a 60 year old man who's been windsurfing all his life, finally playing out of his first carved job. Sorry guys, stinky windsurf chat, but you <laughs> know, being, you know, I, I'd see the same joy and then I'd see the same joy in myself when I, you know, did whatever. And it's, yeah. it's, it, yeah, people's, people's values and, yeah, levels that they deem like this is this is where this is you know that they're trying to attain um, are completely relative. I, I completely agree, and sometimes it's very easy to compare your goals to others, and that's when yeah. it can get toxic. And yeah, um, I've, I've forgotten his name. The guy um, that was the penguin penguin in Surf's Up, Salema Masakela. Yes, he he was saying when he was on 
that is he, he was always comparing himself, comparing himself to his mates and the pros and the people that he was commentating against. Yeah. And Joe Bloggs on the beach was like, man, that was fucking sick. Yeah, and he's like... Actually, yeah, I have a really fucking good surfer. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you just if, if you just need to re-level yourself. Right? Yeah. And, and, and I've been doing that more recently when times are shit and we've just like, you have come this far. And, and yeah, it might not be 20 kilos. It might only be two, but fuck, that, that's, that's a big deal for, yeah. for, for a lot of people. And, and it's always about having that perspective to, to validate and get you back on balance if ever you, if ever you need to. And I found that's a really, really important thing for me, certainly. Yeah, 100%. I think it's, yeah, it's, um, it's, yeah, it's such an important thing to do, like not, not, well, it's kind of a different, it's a different subject to comparing yourself. Um, but it still comes comes in that sphere, and everyone knows my thoughts on comparing yourself to others. It's the fucking devil, um, and it's it's the biggest, probably the biggest thing I struggle with um, is is comparing myself to other people. But so I mean, with with that in mind, and with all the stuff you've sort of accomplished now, um, obviously you know I, I sort of follow you and stuff, and saw so you you did quite a lot for Movember this year, which is um, a mental health charity for anyone listening. Where in the month of November, men grow a moustache, um, and you try and you basically look like a twat for a month. Um, although I think moustaches are cool. Um, and you, and you try and try and raise money. That was actually how I started running. I, I saw that they were doing a move for November thing as well. So I was like, right, cool. I'll try and run 60 K over the month of November. And I actually ended up running hundred K over the month. Um, but then of course I come, I, I cruise on Instagram, like what we've just talked about. And I'm like, yeah, end of the month, I've done hundred K this month. And I'll scroll down Instagram and I see what you've been up to. And I go, oh, fuck. So um, yeah, tell say say what you what you got up to in November. Well, it was it was kind of a bit of a um, like a cathartic thing for me. Like I I felt like I was way more in control. I'm definitely not fully in control. And I don't know if I'll ever be fully in control of my mental health. Like I think there will always be times where no one feels yeah. shit and out of control. And yeah. and and I I've now learned I'm still not good at it. And I had had a, had a point last week where my boss was just like, don't fucking send that email like you did like I know you don't mean that and you don't need to send that email but yeah. just yeah and so but but I, I am way better at dealing with it now and 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 it was exactly that I I've done my gun every year for the last like few years and yeah it's always kind of been more an awareness thing I've never ever really ra- I've raised like five or ten quid mum's given me a five or whatever for yeah such. and it was I think it was this year when they when they I think I don't know if it was just this year, but they led a lot more with the mental health thing. Um, I think they did this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and they led with the the whole 60, 60 men take their own lives every hour. Yeah, yeah. That man takes his life every minute. And so and, and this whole move, like MOV, um, yeah, the, the, the whole moving situation. I thought, well, I'm, I have taken so much strength from the exercise physically and mentally mm. why not do some move challenges so i decided to do three four challenges based around the number 60 so i did three sort of one hour time trials mm-hmm. where I, I swam and i biked and i ran for as, as far as i could in an hour each right um which was i mean it was a challenge and i basically pushed myself as far as i could for an hour but i mean it wasn't anything particularly spectacular and it was kind of just like normal training and then I decided to um, to do something at the end of the month that would be a little bit more kind of, of a challenge. And I mean, I've, I've run, I ran a marathon ten years ago, and obviously I've, I've run a lot in my training, but I've never run anything over a marathon. Right. 
and obviously the number 60 was was there in front of me so I said fuck it I'm gonna run 60k um and so I decided to make it even harder and I basically said I'm gonna I'm gonna run on the hour every hour for 24 hours to get a total of 60k so it's like two yeah. and a half k an hour for 24 hours wow. um and uh yeah I mean I did it did it at the end of the month and and, and it was amazing for a number of reasons and the, the first was um, it, it's amazing how um, how mentally it was it was way harder than I expected. Wow! Well, yeah, but I, I knew I knew I knew running sixty k was going to be hard. Yeah, it was it was like taking like it was it was fine because you could take your shoes off every two and a half k. And you could change your socks and you could put a blister plaster on if you got any blisters or whatever. And you could eat whenever you wanted. Yeah. Um, so that was great, but getting up off the sofa or like. And getting back out the door on the hour every hour, it's it was just like mentally brutal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, sixty k in, in twenty four hours, which was was pretty amazing. But the thing that really, like, I was never expecting. Like, I think I started with a target of like sixty quid or something, and I was just like, if I raise sixty quid, that would be like ten times more than I've ever raised before, and that would be yeah. great. And then after the first couple of challenges, and I put a few posts out about. I mean, I didn't go into any detail, but I was just like, obviously, I've, I've suffered and, and, and struggled with my mental health over the last few years. And the statistic of one man taking his life every every minute is, is pretty hard hitting. Yeah. Um, and it does make people think, and so many people are like, shit, I had no idea it was that bad. Yeah, that's um, a horrible statistic. It, it, it is. It is so horrible. And and, and it is, um, yeah, and, and nobody ever talks about it. And that's actually why I asked, I asked come on, and, and why... I've support. I've, I've I've loved listening to, to your podcast because I think it's so important to talk about. Mm. And it was one of the one of the turning points for me was talking about it. And in doing so, I've learned how me talking about it was made things so much better. Yeah. And now I'm trying to help people understanding that by talking about it, it is so much easier, and that I am the person that they can talk to if they want to. Yeah. Um, I mean, as as I'm proving here, I can talk for England, but I can also listen quite well yeah um but yeah i mean the number of people that were that, that reached out i mean i raised like 1600 quid yeah wow i had absolutely no idea i was going to and the support was absolutely incredible and, yeah and there were so many people that that were affected by it and so many people that reached out and said that i'm like this is amazing i'm so impressed by what you're doing and, and, and by the awareness that you're raising and and there were so many people like oh um a really good friend of mine took his own life or really good friend uh, my cousin uh, took his own life and there were so many people that have been affected by it um but, but you so few people know. talking about it yeah there's that's that's that was the biggest the biggest shock for me as well um in in starting this starting this podcast because i i like you i finally it was the end of end of 2018 um was when mine really came to like a head where i was like I need to either talk about this or something like I'm, I'm going to become a fucking statistic. Um, so yeah, I, I talked, I talked to my mom, um, and, and my girlfriend and, um, what amazed me when I, you know, pretty, pretty much a year later when I started the podcast, um, was all of the people that I was quite close to, you know, friends, everyone that came out and said, Oh, I sometimes have, you know, this, or I've, I've actually got anxiety or I've got this, I've got this. And I'm like, you know, one of them in particular, I was like, I've known you for eight years. We traveled the world together. And like, you could have been sat there one day when we were wherever we were having a really bad time. And all you needed to do is be like, Oh boys, um, like, can we, can we go and get a beer or, yeah, you know, 
I, I don't feel how fucking hard is that like but it but um, it's so hard for so many people and I mean but it's one of those things now and I mean I'm you know gone to the complete opposite I now completely put myself out there for you know without being too up myself like thousands of people have listened to the podcast now you know so um I've gone the other way but you know my mum always taught me and I said this in another podcast my mum was like you don't run you can't be chased you know and it, it kind of I know that's a complete maybe a completely different thing but it, it is kind of the same as well you know if you put it all out there you've kind of got nothing to hide and you it does you do have this weight just lifted off your shoulders mm. um but but it's getting there you know the that's the the biggest step you can make is 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 talking to someone you know after that you know as you've said as well it it, it does it does the table does start to turn um and once you've opened up once like um, I, I did the same thing. I opened up to Clem and to my best mate, Tom. And I was in a really, really shit position. I just rang Tom and I was just like, mate, we, we, we need to talk. And yeah. that was one of the hardest. We've, like, we, we met at uni and we have an amazing relationship, but we've never talked about anything like that. Yeah. Um, and we've both been through some like really shit stuff and we've never really like properly talked like properly talked about it and it took it took me to get to that stage before I called him he was like um I, I basically had no idea I knew you were working really fucking hard and you were, you were tired and you'd been burnt out before but I had no idea it was at this level yeah um but in doing so <clears throat> he now knows what what my almost what my trigger is and, and when I'm feeling like that and so he then reaches out and or it, I may not even be feeling shit but he'll check in that little bit more just because it's out there that sometimes I feel a bit shit and sometimes I need a bit of help. And yeah. sometimes I won't want to talk about it, but actually somebody that you've opened up to before asking you if you're all right, actually it's so much easier than to say, actually, no, I'm feeling like shit. Yeah. And sometimes just saying I'm feeling like shit is that weight that needs, needs to be lifted off your shoulders. Is that tension? It's a, um, yeah, it stops you writing that email that you wish you hadn't, or it stops you like snapping at someone because yeah. you're pissed off or whatever. And, um, yeah, it, it, it's. I mean, there are there are. They're not cliches, but there are. It, it obviously works because with mental health, everybody. It is this sort of talk about it because it does have such a positive impact on on your outcome and um, yeah. And it's that's why I did the whole November thing. It was literally just about raising awareness of a the fact that I'd had some trouble and it, and it affects and can affect anyone and everyone. Um, and b the fact that um, there is always somebody there to talk to if, if you want to. And there are so many people that have been through exactly the same thing um, and, and can either relate to it or just provide a sounding board to, to bounce something off and to feel shit with. Yeah, that's it, mate. I mean, often, you know, I, and I say it a lot, like it's it, despite, you know, lockdown and COVID and all that stuff, it's still easier to talk to someone than it has ever, ever been. You know, you're in Dubai right now and me and you are sitting face to face. I know it's very yeah. different and it, you know, it is, and it's a conversation for another time. You know, we spoke about it on before we hit record a little bit, but it has never been easier. And for me, even things like if someone just sends me a meme or they're like, oh, did you watch, have you watched this on Netflix yet? Or something like that. Some in my brain, cause it goes, oh, that person looked at something and thought of me. And yeah. I know that's another cliche, but I've, I've said in other podcasts, um, it, you know, with, with other guests, like cliches are cliches for a reason because they're fucking good, you know, mm. but it, because, you know, whether it is a Netflix show or a, a meme or, or anything and they're like, 
they thought of me and they thought enough. They go, oh, I'll send this to Sandy and see if he's seen it yet. Or send this to Sandy because I know he'll find it funny. And you go, oh, fuck, that, that, person, that person's in my corner. That person is there, you know? So something, it doesn't even... Because it's it's difficult as well sometimes. It's be, you know most difficult thing for men is actually sitting and going, all right, yeah, let's. A lot of men go, oh, it's getting a bit real for me in here. You know, it's getting a bit deep. And and unfortunately, you know, for sure, I've I've definitely probably got friends like that. Um, that you know look at whether it is what I'm doing with the podcast or anything, and they're like, oh well, you know, whether whether they think it's good or not, but they're like, oh, I couldn't do that. You know, it it is quite hard to know what to say, and there is kind of this. Um... There is a lot of chat of sort of oh careful you don't say the wrong thing yeah and i know i know that there will obviously be situations where you can potentially escalate something but i i've always found that um whenever anyone said, said anything to me and and or asked, asked me questions or, or said something and it has been it's, it's never made anything worse for me and i, and I yeah. think being scared to say something at all is definitely worse than yep. saying something yeah, that's nail um, nail on the head. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think yeah. you, yeah. Often the person, if the person is struggling or anything like that, from what I can gather, like they don't. And this isn't me, you know, being bad or yeah, fuck it, whatever. I'm just gonna say it. I need to learn to just start saying stuff that's in my head. Um, like often they don't know what they want or what they need in order to make them happy. So it doesn't matter what you say if they just know that there's a person there for them. You could be talking about anything, you know, oh, I like your T-shirt. Oh, did you, what's your favorite Star Wars movie? Oh, did you see the football game the other night? What's your favorite meal? Or how's, you know, what's going on in your head? Anything like that. It doesn't matter what you say. You can't, you can't fuck it up. Just knowing that a person is, is there for them is what they need. You know, it's, it's not, uh, that's not taking anything away from the, the person feeling bad, but in my in my opinion and in my personal experience, people could have said whatever they wanted, but as long as I knew that if they were, there was actually someone there being like, no, nah, can you stay here, please? I don't really want you to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah um, exactly that. You know, that's, that's what, that's what people want to hear. Um, but yeah, it's, and that's, that's why it's, that's why things like Movember and things like that are so amazing because it's kind of, it's given you a bit of a lease on life and it's made, it's made you feel good. And you're like, fuck, I raised so much money and I really helped open this conversation and all this, but then also it's gone on to help hopefully other people have conversations, you know? So it's, um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and, and I think kind of me doing that has, it was kind of a closing off period for me and, and the time where I've really struggled. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure there'll be other times, but it was a really good time for me to sort of consolidate things and, and have that checkpoint where yeah you've come a long way and mental health wise I was like yeah right end of November actually I've I've spoken about it it was the first time I'd ever really acknowledged publicly I'd, I'd had any issues ever at all I didn't go into any detail I just said I've struggled yeah um and even just doing that was such an amazing yeah, process yeah. for me and now it's kind of almost me holding myself to account because now I'm like actually like he does seem a little bit off and if I don't ask him how he is I'm a fucking hypocrite and I'm telling people to like to engage and ask if people are okay and to talk about our feelings and whatever and it would be hypocritical if I didn't um if I didn't offer my support even if exactly that just sending someone a meme that you know is is going to make them smile 
I mean, memes fucking, like, I could be in the worst mood in the world if someone yeah. sends me, like, a Lord of the Rings meme. Like, <laughs> oh, mate, I'll have to get you in on the chat. I've got, I've got some good Lord of the Rings memes. Don't you worry about that. That is, yeah, got a chat with two friends and that's that's all it is. Look, one of them, one of them for some reason is our age and has never seen Star Wars. So he's just finished watching all of Star Wars. So they'll they'll start to get peppered in now. But um, the Mandalorian um, memes are pretty good as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, you know, like, yeah, stuff, stuff like that. Like, like you said, that never, and it's something so small, um, but yeah. that it never, never ceases to, uh, to make me smile. So yeah, I'll just, you know, um, anyone out there, obviously, you know, and it sounds corny as fuck to say, but um, on my Instagram at the After Hours Lounge, the the DMs are always open. And like, I don't know, I do get quite a few people messaging me, you know, and even like, you know, I said I've had a bad couple of days and, you know, yesterday I was really just couldn't be arsed doing anything. And I actually had a message from someone who I don't, I don't really remember, but I think they worked in Vass a few years ago and stuff, but they messaged and said, oh, you know, I really love the podcast, really, really enjoying it. I had a message from a guy I went to school with being like, oh, who it wasn't, you know, I wasn't even really that good friends with. And he was like, really enjoy the podcast. And I was like, huh, that made me feel good. But yeah. That's epic, man. It's really it, cool. It, you know, little, little thing, little, the little things often make the, and genuinely it made my day. It turned my morning yesterday from like, well, this day's a write off. But then I had a message from that and I was like, if I do nothing else today, I was like, that's, that's good. I was like, you know. Sure. Um, but yeah, the DM, the DMs are open and I know that's really corny and I know it's so easy to say, but you know, a lot of people fear getting the professional, um, side of help, which I think is also very important to, to get as well. But if you're not there yet, um, you know, talk to someone, you know, close to you or a friend or, or anything like that first. Um, but yeah, cool. Right. Let's, let's sort of finish, finish up there, Dan. Um, couple of, couple of quick fire questions for you. Um, been changing these quick fire questions in and out a bit, but I've got kind of two left. Um, so usually, uh, well, first of all, um, where is your happy place? COVID, regardless, anything, click your fingers right now. Where are you? New Zealand. New Zealand? Every day of the week. Oh, honestly, I love that place. Yeah. Anywhere in New Zealand, literally anywhere. The nicest people, the coolest landscapes, um, Lord of the Rings references everywhere. Yeah. Um, well, and I got got engaged in, in New Zealand as well, so it will always be be pretty up. There, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I would I would do anything to be in New Zealand right now. Is that? Uh, and they don't have COVID there right now as well. So. Yeah, I know. Yeah, mate. Jacinda's fucking smashed, hasn't she? Is that um? Is that a place that you would you like to kind of try and end up there one day, or are you kind of? Is that not? Is I that? Know, it's, I mean, it sucks that it's literally the other side of the world yeah. from basically everyone I know. Um, yeah. my sister lives there actually oh cool um so uh yeah we, we will always be kind of going to and from and it, it is pretty special for clem and i but uh yeah new, new zealand is is definitely up there for sure that's awesome i've never never been to new zealand i've lived in i lived in australia twice um and and i've always sort of thought that as well like i'd always wanted to live in australia i've, I've actually half of my dad's family are from new zealand so i've got a lot of a lot of family in new zealand but i've never never made it that far south um but yeah, it's always appealed to me in Australia and stuff, but like you said, it's it's so far away, isn't it? You've you've yeah. got you've got to realise like I'll be lucky to see friends and family once a year. I've got to build a whole new friendship group, everything, you know. But that that's been a, a, a big a, a, um, big challenge for my family, and and we're, we're pretty close family. But Sophie being there and, and literally being stuck there, 
and and probably being stuck there for the rest of this year and us not being able to go in and out and she's had two kids while she's been there as well like it's it's, it's quite brutal but I mean, current, currently currently I'd say you know your family's stuck in the UK and she's there rather than the other way around at the moment yeah, you know? yeah exactly <laughs> you're right yeah she's 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 the one that's she's won this one hasn't she yeah um um, obviously, I know you know. You said uh, you've completed Netflix. Obviously, we've been in we've been in lockdowns. We're back in another one over here. I know you're in Dubai, so you're uh, well. I mean, you're not an influencer, so you're allowed to be in Dubai. But um, what what is um, what have you been watching? Are you obviously you know you're a Lord of the Rings, you're a Mandalorian fan, so well done. But what have you been um, what you've been watching? Hit me with some lockdown recommendations. So there's two two things. Um, I'm doing a lot of cycling indoors at the moment. Cool. And I'm watching Designated Survivor on Netflix. That is sick, um, isn't it? It's, it's fucking good. It's really good. Um, it's it's quite predictable, but um, it's it's good watching. Forty five minutes is it's it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And then I there's love- another one, which we've actually just started binging, and it's called like Blown Up or something, and it's about glass blowing. Oh uh, yeah, I think is it on Netflix? Yeah, it's on Netflix. Yeah. It's fucking epic. Like, it's, <laughs> honestly, it's like the most random thing that we started. What we like, you know, when it pops up with like the little, you should yeah, watch yeah, this. Yeah. And it came up, we're like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> and it's like half an hour episodes as well. And it's like some fucking crazy Americans, but it's, um, it's well worth watching. It's, it's, yeah. really it's like, it's like Great British Bake Off, but glass blowing, I guess. Exactly. Exactly yeah. that. Yeah. With some There's crazy a lot Americans. of Americans. There's a lot of them, and then, um, and then, so sort of, uh, last one. I mean, are you you meant you mentioned you were you know drinking a lot of beers and stuff. Are you do you still do you still drink now? What what's your beer of choice, or are you are you kind of off the booze for the moment? Um, I drink way less than I did. Yeah. Um, I tend to try not to drink during the week, um, which I think was quite a good a good step for me, and and especially kind of living on my own. I basically just said I'm not going to drink on my own again. Yeah, drink. I, um, Drinking on my own, yes, that's an odd thing to do, isn't it? I, I think it's an easy it's when it becomes normal, right? Yeah, slippery slope. Oh, yeah, and you're just like, oh, I'll have dinner. Oh, there's a beer in the fridge. Fuck it, I'll have a beer. Yeah, I'll have yeah. a beer on my own. Um, but yeah, um, oh, I don't know. I really like pills now, right? So, um, yeah, like anything, like there's a there's a I think it's a Czech beer called like um, Pilsner Urkel or something like that, yeah, maybe. Um, they there's a um is it draft house like um there's a chain in the uk called draft house right and they have like massive fucking copper barrels oh yeah like, yeah i've been unpasteurized that. yeah yeah that's that probably yeah if i could choose i'd probably choose a decent pill like that oh, wow. generally like by the liter yeah yeah a, a wanky beer i like to call that but yeah for sure no, no, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan as well, but I do say, you know, things like these IPAs and all this, stuff, some of them, some of them, you literally need a, you need a knife and fork to, to drink, don't you? Like, you know, you can almost slice them up. They're so heavy. Um, cool. Yeah. Well, um, thank you very much for coming on, Dan. It's been a, been a pleasure. Um, guys, I hope you uh, enjoyed that episode. Dan, where can we, where can we find you? Can we, can we follow you on social media anywhere? Um, yeah, I'm on Instagram. Um, I actually don't even, I can't even plug what my handle is because I don't really know it. Um, Research but yeah. Dan Aldis. I'll, I'll, Dan Aldis. Find I'll find it and put it in anyway. Um, exactly. Yeah, you can, you can follow me um, on at the After Hours Lounge. Guys, please like, share, subscribe. I'm still looking for whoever gave me a one-star review on Apple Podcasts, you little shit. Um, my bad. 
Yeah, I was going to say if you and everyone else has left a five star review, so I must be doing something right. Um, but yeah, if you can leave a review, preferably five stars. Um, and yeah, like, follow, share, subscribe on yeah Spotify, all that stuff. It only takes two seconds, uh, but it massively helps me with what I'm doing. You can also donate to the podcast via the link in my bio on Instagram if you want to buy me a beer as well. Um, but yeah, until until next week, guys. Uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you again, Dan. And thanks a lot for the next one.